thank you very much for being here. Um, you've got another event that you've got to go off to later <laughs> today as well, as, as, as well as being in the position of uh, being chef patron at Treadwells as well as uh, uh, head of operations for Marcus Waring. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what does that normally entail, just on a day-to-day -day basis? Just, just sort of talk, talk to me about the day-to-day. -day. I don't think we've probably got time to go through it all, but um, okay. a lot of things, and I think as probably a lot of people in this room do, um, no, no one day is the same. Um, we've already had a power cut in a flood today, so, you know, one of those days. Um, but it is about, yeah, I guess a huge part of it is the people, the team. Um, we have about 150 members so it's keeping them inspired keeping them motivated um and then also we have you know anywhere up to you know probably a few hundred guests every day as well so it's keeping them happy so in the one it's it's a lot of i guess keeping people together and all working towards the same cause okay uh and as a an acute studier of accents you don't uh, <laughs> hail from these parts, New, no. New Zealand by origin. How on earth did you end up here then, as chef patron at Treadwells? What was your journey to get to it this It was point? a very strange um, journey, I would say. Um, yeah, very feel very privileged that I was able to grow up in such a, an amazing country with um, an amazing food provenance, amazing sense of, you know, seasonality was just what we had to do. Um, and I feel very lucky now, with everything going on, that I had that um, right from day one. So, yeah. Grew up in New Zealand, didn't really know what I wanted to do when I finished school, decided to study law. Um, study law and halfway through that um, had this obsession for, for cooking um, and for food. So I thought, well, I need a job, I've got a racking up a huge student loan. And I just walked into a local cafe that I liked and said, don't have any experience, I love to cook. Um, here's my CV, if you do have anything, come up. And they said, well, we're actually about to advertise for, for a cook. So, yeah, great, we'll, we'll take you on. Um, slightly nerve-wracking, but anyway, got there in the end. And then went to work in a restaurant during my summer holidays and a restaurant kitchen um, and just absolutely loved it. And so ended up working full-time there whilst I kind of finished my studies, which took a slightly, I would say, um, secondary uh, concentration. Um, but then finished university. My mother said to me, you spent five years doing this. Just go and give it a go. If you don't like it, fine, at least you know that you don't like it. So I did that, uh, moved to Wellington, New Zealand, um, did my bar exam, and then got offered a job at the Subway Grill in London. <laughs> so um, through a random cooking competition via Gordon Ramsay, um, ironically, and arrived in London very green um, 15 years ago. And Having gone through that journey and the obsession, obviously, because it's really interesting hearing that someone's close to your heart and therefore, you know, with that intrinsic motivation and desire to do it, how much does that still feel present today in terms of that intrinsic drive and that love of, of food, cooking, creating things? What, 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 what Huge. I mean, I think it's, I couldn't really probably do what I do unless I had um, had that in me the whole time. It's never really lost its sense of... Um, obsession I guess is a, is a good way to, to describe it um, and I think that it involves so many facets of different things in terms of creativity um, in terms of the fact that no day is the same and for me a huge part of it is that there's it's so infinite I can never know everything I want to know about food I can never taste everything I want to taste so it's kind of a, a constant 
ability to create. And I think when I'm kind of got my head stuck in a, a spreadsheet or a PL or a rotor, it's kind of always nice to have that to come back to to think about, you know, food because it is probably my number one, yeah, obsession. And do you do you get the chance to keep pursuing that creativity in different ways now? Because does, does it feel different where you've got, you know, you, you talk yeah. about teams, so how, how, does, how does that feel, it's not just you? Yeah, I think that's, that's part of, I guess, becoming a manager, I don't really like that term, but in terms of growing up through a business and having a business, um, is being able to actually allow other people to have that level of creativity, and I think, as, as you were saying, in terms of, that's not the way I would do it, but okay, <laughs> if, if that's, you know, if it works, um, it's kind of that sense of, and I am a little bit, um, obsessive compulsive as well. Um, so in terms of just things being in the right place, sometimes I have to kind of take myself out of the equation and think, actually, you know what, this is working, it's working well, everyone's happy. So the fact that that cloth isn't in that right place and folded that right way, I need to just get over that. <laughs> <laughs> so some good self-talk going on there, just, yeah. Absolutely, and I think, you know, creativity spurs creativity, energy creates energy, so I think it's always thinking about those things and, and kind of being, I guess you talked before about kind of humility and about self-awareness, to be able to actually almost pull yourself back from a situation, to be able to let everyone else learn, create, you know, be inspired as well. Yeah. So, given what you said as well, it, it makes me wonder what, what success are you pursuing at the moment, or how do you how do you define success at the moment for you, which is the thing that, you know... Is, is driving you or harnessing the obsession right now? Yeah, I think it's, it's for me, it's quite, again, infinite. And I think there's a lot right now that I feel um, needs to be done in terms of, obviously, the environment, the planet. Um, I think that education for children is huge, that people, you know, as I said, growing up in New Zealand, I, I saw where my food came from. I went out to the garden and picked my lettuce leaves for dinner, etc. pulled the carrots out. A lot of kids, especially in the UK, do not understand. I've done some, some kind of teachings around that where they don't, even know necessarily what a carrot is if you hold it up. So I think for me, yeah, there's many different facets of, of success. I think, you know, obviously there's a kind of physical having a restaurant, um, remaining in business, um, you know, being able to actually keep that going, being able to keep innovating, I think is huge. Um, in a way, I've never really had one finite kind of right once I've got there, I've reached success. I think it's a constantly, um, moving state of flux that actually and when you kind of get exposed to one thing you're like actually I want to pursue that um, you know there's all sorts of facets to it when it comes to food for me sustainability is a part of it how can I look at being greener and what I do how can I educate people how can I you know minimize my food waste how can I buy from amazing producers how can I support local farmers all those sorts of things so for me it's just this kind of snowball effect that just keeps going on and on and on and I can only do that with people around me. And I think that's probably one of the measures I would look at most is how successful is everybody else around me. Because if they are, then it's my job's a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable. And, and, and within that, it sounds like there is a, a really interesting balance for you to attain in terms of delivery of excellence in terms of what's required today versus finding the space for creativity and innovation. How, how do you balance that? Or do you have a bias for one or the other? I think I, I kind of go through these cycles as well. So there's times where um, I will just kind of be in the kitchen 247. Um, December, I'm pretty much there every day. And because the energy's there and, and it's so busy, and sometimes I also feel that 
I don't have the time to innovate in terms of just with food, so to create a dish, to do those sorts of things. Um, so it is about sometimes finding that balance, and I can, I'm at a stage now probably where I don't necessarily have to do things to know that they come together and that they work. I don't have to place up a dish of food to know that it's, it's going to work. I can taste it in my head, really, and, and the texture and everything. I can have it in my head, so I can almost create without having to physically do it, yeah. um, which does, I guess, you know, create a bit more, more time. Um, and, but in terms of that balance, that is sometimes, yeah, sometimes the thing to, the trickiest thing. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we've touched on the, on the team component already. Um, on the day-to-day -day basis in terms of working with the team, so in, in the restaurant producing food and you know what what what's the what's the daily requirement for the team and how many people sort of on the ground how many how many services you're doing and, and, and what's the kind of rhythms and routines that you have that helps keeps everything glued together I think it's just an overall I think communication is, is the biggest part of it and also you know we do have a lot of systems we've got a tech now which we didn't have years ago you know it used to all just be by phone it used to be you know we used to receive letters in the post um, CVs in the post. Uh, I think now that we have the ability to analyse, to track, to you know see where our guests are coming from, how do they get to our website? You know what are they interested in? How can we you know tag their profile so we know that they like this or that they don't like that? How can we communicate with them that's not going to offend them as well? When you kind of I do quite a lot of plant-based food, so if I, we send meaty pictures to those guests, they're going to be very upset. So it's almost that tailoring to the audience in a way um, and also ensuring that the team feel that they can you know they can do that and we do have you know we have I liken what we do in a way to performers because we have two performances a day we have a lunch service and a service and we've got to be on show the front of house have to be on show smiling happy no matter what's happened to them <coughs> on their way to work they've got to be on point um, we have to be on point from a kitchen perspective, we've got to make sure we've got enough food, we've got to make sure that it's cooked the right way, we've got to make sure that we, you know, as, as the kind of leaders in the kitchen have checked everything because we can't then turn around halfway through service and something's wrong and say, well, why is it wrong when we haven't actually, it's up to us to check that that is okay because, again, we have a lot of, these days in our industry, there's a lot more kind of, I guess, unskilled or inexperienced people, so it's making sure that we can then give them the tools to do the job so at the end of the day, we make the front of house, their, tech, their service enjoyable, the guests then have a great time as well. And does that, does that mean that you have to do more work in terms of how you organise the team in terms of setting each service up and learning from each service? Do, do, you, do you have to see it as an ongoing process of collective refinement? Absolutely, and each thing is you know, that moving forward and kind of analysing and saying, right, we need to talk about that after service. Um, because into, you know, when you're in a busy service, you can't just stop and say, look, actually, by the way, you know how you did that? Actually, you need to do it like this way next time. You don't have that kind of opportunity when you've got kind of checks flying at you and you've just got to kind of, you know, kind of work through it. Um, so from that respect, it is, you know, organisation is, is super key. So we have lots of checklists. We have lots of, you know, we do, we literally physically count how many portions of things we've got at the end of the night so we know how many to order the next day. So there's kind of a... I guess an algorithm to it that we have created that we know will work so that at the end of the day we can create the best environment for everybody and it's not just about our guests because at the end of the day if the team isn't happy then you can't expect anyone that comes into your your space or your whatever you do to feel happy. 
And, and do you ever get a situation where there's been a service which is absolutely in the sweet spot and, and it's a highlight service? Does, does, does such a thing exist? And if so, what, what does that contain? Absolutely, and it's kind of a marriage of everything together in terms of, you know, when people actually come and sit down in the restaurant, when they order, you know, sometimes you'll get, you'll have something that's perfectly timed and then a table will be half an hour late or one person won't arrive, two hours, and it just throws the whole, it can throw the whole thing into kind of chaos because suddenly... This many covers, you know, this many covers over this <coughs> space of time is, is manageable. This many covers within this space of time is not so manageable. So it's that sense of actually when you've got when everything's timed really well, um, that's a that's a great service because you can actually also put the energy and the time into making sure every single thing is is kind of perfect. Um, when you've just got the speed to go through, sometimes it can get a little bit unsettling in some respects. Um, and you know, and the knock-on effect of certain things can also have an effect. So it's it's a huge amount of, I guess, um, preempting of what could go wrong. I call it de-risking. So we have a lot of things that we de-risk to make sure that we're not going to get in the shit, basically, <laughs> which is what we call yeah a bad service. Um, and when we do hit that great one, it is. I mean, the energy's great, and everyone's on high. Um, you know, we we do work hard. We work really long hours. So to have a really busy service that's gone amazingly well and everyone's feeling really positive about it is is really um yeah it's just what keeps us all going and that the long hours and the hard work what what do you what do you have to do there just in terms of looking after people's energy and the physical side of it what, what's some of the stuff that you i think it's interesting because our industry's <laughs> changed a huge amount over the past 15 years when i first came to london um i went from working an eight hour day in an office to an 18 hour day in the kitchen um, and then you get about kind of four hours sleep and be back the next morning um, but the adrenaline kept you going I think also there was that kind of old school mentality of well if you can't handle the heat get out of the kitchen um, as a female I was like there's no way I'm not handling this heat so I'm not getting out of this kitchen so that's what happened um, so I probably was pushing myself a bit further than, than others would have um, and but now it is you know we've made lots of changes um, to be able to reduce that down so people are actually, it's not kind of slightly ridiculous, which it kind of was then. Um, in terms of that, it used to, yeah, there was a point where, you know, food is, is hugely important. Um, we cook our food in the restaurant, so I'm always very conscious that it's not just pasta, creamy sauce, because that's generally a go-to <laughs> a go-to thing to make, which nutritional content is slightly uh, negligible. Um, so that's a really important part of it. Um, and just making sure that, yeah, I think I like the most of the chefs in my kitchen are very, very young, a lot younger than me. So, also, that's been quite an adjustment for me is to look at how they work versus how I used to work. And it, I can't just think, well, I didn't used to do that, and I used to do this many hours, and you don't do that anymore, because that just doesn't get anyone anywhere. So, it's looking at what does allow them to have that good performance, you know, making sure because we're a seven day week operation, it's always making sure they have two days off together at least. Um, so that they've got the energy to recuperate, so that they can actually have a life outside of the kitchen, which never used to exist. Um, and also it, it then makes them more inspired and more creative when they get in there. So from that perspective, I think there's a huge, um, you know, there's all obviously everything that's going on, gut health, mental health, it's all, it, it's all linked together and I think it's all, it's ignorant to ignore it in some respects. And I think it's about embracing it and seeing how we can actually then, because it's win-win, you know, the, the healthier and happier the team are, the healthier and happier the businesses. 
So it is almost a sense of, well, actually, how can we improve that? Um, you know, exercise is a hu- huge one for me. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, as I said, positive energy creates positive energy. So the more you do, the more energetic you feel. And I think that's kind of sometimes a bit of a hard sell to the uh, to some of the young chefs. Um, they're not keen to draw me for a spin class at 7am. But anyway, um, I think it's important to at least put that point across to them. So maybe somewhere it might trigger down the line. Yeah, I think you know, certainly in the work we do, we, we, we find that difference with, you know, different people at, at different levels of experience, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the value that's placed upon the physical, the mental, the Huge. support, it, yeah. Yeah, it kind of, it, it, it changes and, you know, sometimes it's just the experience is the thing that triggers the, the change of behaviour, yeah. so, um, which is key. So, I, I, I'm interested in all of this, obviously you're doing all this sort of individual work, the creativity, the teamwork, but then there is the people who are coming to mm-hmm. be delighted by what they're going to sort of um, eat in the restaurant. What, what role does that customer audience play for you? Where do they fit into the creative process? What, what, what influence do they have on a day-to-day basis or longer term for you in your roles? Um, huge. Obviously, I can't exist without them. I can't kind of pay the bills without them. So, you know, from a very basic level, but also from a, a more holistic approach, there's a lot of chefs that I've well, not a lot, but a few chefs I've worked with before who have been all about kind of themselves and their food, and this is amazing. It's like actually everyone hates it, but they keep going. <laughs> they keep going with it. So I think that's very important that you're not cooking for yourself. You're actually cooking for your guests, because at the end of the day, if someone doesn't enjoy something, then you're not going to be in business particularly long. At the end of the day, as well. So, and I think it's also about you know, obviously with this kind of consciousness that's coming about with sustainability etc there's a very fine line between preaching and from kind of I guess being true to, to what your integrity is and I think sometimes it's finding that balance of saying well this is what we do and this is why we do it um, but we're not saying you should do it but this is why we do it and if you want to buy into it or you want to find out more great if you don't fine that's, that's up to you um, I think it is you know, from a, I guess, team perspective, sometimes there are really tricky people to deal with, um, which is why as chefs, we get, I always say to my guys, we get the we get the easy deal. We don't have to deal with some of the stuff that you have to deal with. Um, so at the end of the day, it's looking at, again, how can we, you know, not just be the norm of, of normally, you know, a restaurant, can we offer different things? For me, I started doing a lot of plant-based food when we first opened because going out to the restaurant for me should be really easy, enjoyable and relaxing and you shouldn't have to feel like you're the odd one out if you can't have something, if you've got an allergy, if you've got intolerance, if you don't eat a particular type of food, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, so I was very clear on when I created the menu that everything was on the menu so you knew what allergens were in certain dishes, if it was a vegetarian dish, if it was plant based, so you didn't even have to ask. It was all there, you were with your friends, there was no issues, you could enjoy it. Um, and I think that, for me, is, is a big part of it, that also, you know, you're there to exist for for your guests. So actually, if you do something that's purely kind of selfish and egotistical, you know, yes, there are some successful restaurants that are like that in the world, or have in the past, but I think it's becoming more of a sense of actually, it's an engaging environment for anybody to, to want to be part of. It, it's, it's really interesting, it will say, as you're you're answering that, it's making me wonder about feedback from the audience mm-hmm. as well, and and evidently feedback's a gift. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering um, how you use the feedback that you get from customers. You know, whether it's whether it's great feedback, how does that 
play forward into doing more. Well, again, with great. you know, with check these days with the internet, it's it's all there for everybody to see. You know, before we used to get a letter in the post, um, whereas now it's splashed across the uh, the internet. You know, good and bad. Um, but I think it is a good gauge, and it's you know the fact we, you know, with our reservation system, we send out a, a feedback email after everyone's done with us to ask, you know, how they, how was everything, um, and we probably look at the, the not great ones, and we look at the really great ones, and we make sure that there's no common themes in the kind of middle tier, and making sure that we we do what we do. Um, some of the the you know I guess the the more negative ones can be quite hard, especially when. In, from a, a front of house perspective, if they've tried everything they can, they, something did go wrong, and you know, we're in a human, it's going to happen, but they've tried everything they can to make up for it, and it's still not kind of been enough. Um, and there are times that actually it's great to know that that's how that <coughs> guest felt, because at the end of the day, we don't want anyone to feel like that. Whether or not we agree or disagree with what they've said, at the end of the day, they weren't happy, um, which is not what he wants to do so it gives us the ability to then invite them back or offer them something else as a gesture or to also just have that conversation with the team and saying right we need to we need to find a way of making sure this does not happen again how can we do that or did we you know obviously there's a lot of different um cultures and languages from the team as well so mm -hmm. sometimes it's just those there's, a, there's just a not a, an understanding from them because that's not where they're from or that's not their culture so it's almost just that training perspective of saying, right, if, if this is if this happens, you know, it's not a criticism of them, it's just saying, look, if this happens, this is generally perhaps what you need to do next time. Um, and making sure it all can, I guess, yeah, constantly improving. Every day is a chance to actually see something different, learn something different, and actually look at how we can do it again next time. Yeah. And, and, in, and in terms of the drive behind the healthy obsession, connecting that with the feedback, uh, um, I'm interested in that and got some good insights from Abdur in terms of some of what drives him. I'm interested in, you know, are, are you someone who's driven by you trying to avoid failure happening or underperformance or are you trying to pursue doing great things and succeeding in a new way? Have you, have you got a kind of fear of failure, desire to succeed, balance at all? Um, I think there's always that fear of something not going right, but then at the end of the day I think that's a really, that's a bit glass half full sometimes, uh, sorry, glass half empty, and actually if you always focus on the fear and the negatives, it's not going to be a very particularly fulfilling life or you know kind of business life so I think it's about for me it's about what else can I achieve how can I achieve it with um, and it's utilizing I guess that that fear of failure to spur me on and saying well actually I do want to you know, if it's more restaurants that's what I want to do then actually how can I also work make sure that they do work and what skills can I use from the experience from feedback etc to make sure that I don't make that mistake, that mistake, or that mistake. So, but at the end of the day, it's about creating something, you know, doing more. I think that's, as you mentioned before, that sense of, you know, never wanting to, to whatever that quote was at the beginning. I live in the hope that I haven't done my best work yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's an amazing kind of way to frame it. And probably that's how I do feel, but I probably never put it into that kind of sense of, of um, words. So I think it's a, it's a really great thing to be able to live by. Mm. And, and, and last question, just because I'm interested in the future picture, is, is, is there anything where the healthy obsession is driving you towards at the moment? Are there any questions that you want to challenge yourself to answer? Are there any particular things where the curiosity and creativity is being focused right now? Loads. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, there's, I keep flitting from, I've got kind of this whole 
circle of things that I keep thinking, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that. Um, I think probably a little bit of it is waiting to see what happens later this year um, and how that's going to affect things like food supply. Um, I think that's going to be a big probably impact on our industry, so that also will, will dictate how we move forward in some senses. Um, but yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's it. And different people like me, I have a chance to meet amazing different people from all, all aspects and all over the world. And, and that also then I think, great, that's, you know, I want to do that now, I want to do that now. And so sometimes it's almost saying, learning to say no as well. And I think that sometimes can be harder than saying yes to everything. Yeah, that's the, that, that's the bit I'm interested in, you know, the bit I mentioned in the introduction about that, the, the curiosity mm -hmm. to to grow yeah. and develop but knowing where you want to focus at because yeah. given, given all of that choice mm. uh, do you find that you're good at focusing it sometimes <laughs> then i get kind of swept away by some amazing thing that someone's doing and think i really want to do that and then it's like actually it's not very practical um so i think sometimes i kind of get really excited by the the thought of it the prospect of it i kind of i guess i'm a very logical person and i'll look into the logic of it and see if it's actually feasible, not feasible, a good idea, not a good idea, and work from that. But I don't ever want to not get that excitement. I think that's what, you know, sometimes I think, oh, I probably, my team probably think I jump from, you know, kind of left to right, back and forth, etc. But actually, uh, as a, yeah, I think it's probably quite a healthy obsession to have in some senses. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a great point to finish, because I don't think, you know, keeping it healthy, but, it, but that healthy always ending up with a positive trend and a positive move forward, even though there's lots going on, it still yeah. ends up having that positive impact and, and making, a, making a really great difference. So, but fantastic, really great insights. Thank you very much. I know you've got another thing to go off at 4 o'clock, so we may get you for some Q&A as well. So if you do have questions for Sean, it's going to be right early in the uh, Q&A piece as well. But uh, thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure.